Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, it's wonderful to be with you today. Um, I feel like I haven't done Cat This Live for quite a while, so it's really, really great to be with you. And today we're continuing in our series called Do Different, where we look at how um, we can march to a beat of a different drum than the world around us, the culture around us. How can we as Christians look, um, speak, taste walk completely differently to the culture that is around us um i love a good action movie anyone else like a ac good action movie put it in the chat thumbs up if you do um particularly i like things like born identity jack reacher um james bond i absolutely love the last james bond film so so good where these these um these films are all about someone being given their instructions and then kind of watching them complete the mission and all the adventures and everything that they get up to i absolutely love that but in many ways i think it's so much easier to say yes to something that is removed and unknown to you than it is to say yes to something that you know is gonna be costly. You know it's gonna cost you something. Imagine being told that your lives will be in danger wherever you go. Being told that you will receive beatings and threats. That you'll be arrested and brought before a really angry justice system. That you'll be hated everywhere you go and that death will be lingering behind every door. Imagine hearing all that is waiting for you and then still saying yes to the mission and going. And as I read my Bible a few weeks ago, as I was having one of my quiet times, there's this passage in Matthew 10 that just, you know what it's like sometimes you, you read your Bible and even though you know the passage, the Lord just kind of highlights it to you in a fresh way. And that's exactly what was happening to me. It's a passage that many of us as Christians will know, and um, you can also find it in Mark and Luke as well. And it's where Jesus, he sends out the 12 disciples into the world. And so we're going to read that together this morning. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you swipe to that or even maybe pick, pick up a Bible and, uh, and we are going to read, well, I'm going to read to you and you can, you can read along as well. Matthew 10, we're going to read firstly, uh, verses one to eight. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. These are the names of the 12 apostles first. Simon, He's called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, now freely you give. So Jesus, he has basically, he's told the disciples to go and to be his witnesses and to declare about the good news of Jesus, all the while healing the sick and casting out demons. 
sounds sounds like a good mission sounds action-packed sounds fun yet if you delve a little bit deeper into this text what we find is in Matthew and Matthew alone does Jesus then start to go into great detail about what is actually going to cost each of these young men these 12 young men if they say yes to the mission and they go and so we're going to read from verse 9 and we're going to read all the way through to verse 31 it's quite a long chapter but I think I think we need to read it together so that's what we're going to do so this is Jesus telling these, these, young, these young first century Christian men these instructions. Do not get, get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it, at what time you'll be given and what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You'll be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you're persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called, has been called Belzebul, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be dis disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. Love that. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the ha very hairs of your head are still numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And then we're going to skip for brevity's sake. We're going to go over the page and we're going to read from verse 38. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Amen. Amen. So Jesus is telling his disciples about the cost that it's going to take for them to be his witnesses. 
for them to go into the world. Now, this text directly relates to the disciples, but it is also true of the generations that have come and will come. Betrayal, persecution, mockery, hunger, thirst, humiliation, rejection, isolation, being chased down, floggings and beatings, and to top it all, not a possession or a penny to take, Jesus says. And they still went. They still went. I've been thinking about why has this passage impacted me so much? Why the, the disciples' response, them saying yes to Jesus, why am I finding that so utterly mind-blowing? These are young, young uh, first century Christian young men. And after hearing all that is lying in wait for them, all that will happen to them, they still said yes to Jesus. They still went. Knowing exactly the kind of pain and hardship and brutality that they would suffer. Why is that so crazy? Why is that so mind blowing for me, a Christian, a Jesus follower in 2022? And I think the answer lies in one little word. And this little word has penetrated into every sphere and into every fiber of our, of our society. And in turn, it has convincingly and persuasively woven itself into the heart of our Christian beliefs. And it's taken up residence as the rightful owner of a tenant who has no place or no business being there. And the squatter in our midst has a name and his name is Comfort. We have believed a lie of our culture today that tells us that we deserve to be comfortable, that we must strive for comfort. And if we are not fully comfortable, then something has gone seriously wrong. You see, in our culture today, comfort has become this huge, impenetrable idol because it comes out of a place of living for ourselves, um, pleasing ourselves, making me, myself and I the centre of everything above anyone or anything else. And this idol of comfort has penetrated its way into our Christian uh, Western belief system. And because of it, we as Christians, I think we sometimes, we get ourselves confused with believing that living a life of comfort is actually what Jesus desires for his people. And this idol has been glorified so much that we've believed a lie that our safety, our convenience and our comfort is what Jesus desires most for his people. And so today, through this passage, I want to attempt to try and tear down this idol of comfort and expose it for the ungodly intruder that it is. And um, I want to uh, basically show us what Jesus is saying is to take the lie with the truth of what Jesus brings so that we as Christians living in 2022, we can do different when it comes to this idol of comfort. So lie number one, being comfortable is what Jesus wants for my life. So let's look at what it means. What does being comfortable mean? The definition of comfortable is enjoying contentment and security, enjoying physical comfort, free from worry or doubt, free from stress and fear. 
Of course, we all desire comfort and ease. Of course we do. But expecting it or feeling like we deserve it or thinking that it's God's will for our lives is conditioned by our culture that is around us and not by the kingdom of God. As we've just read, every part of this text is in direct opposition to this comfort culture that surrounds us. Verse 9. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. Verse 16, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Verse 17, be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. Verse 22, you'll be hated by everyone because of me. Verse 23, when you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. And it goes on. When our kids were little, they, for one Christmas, they were given a magnet set. And our middle son, he, he spent hours desperately taking two magnets of opposing forces and trying to join them together. And he couldn't understand that no matter how hard he's tried, no matter how much strength he put into trying to push them together, their magnetism, their forces kept them apart. And in the end, he realized it was an impossible, impossible thing to do. As Christians, this side of eternity, Jesus hasn't promised us a life of ease or of comfort. In fact, seeking a life that is absent from everything other than comfort is the direct opposite propelling force to the call of Jesus. The lie that comfort entices and beckons and wants us to embrace is in complete opposition to the life that Jesus told us to expect. Again, let's just remind ourselves of the words of Jesus. Verse 38, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And as Jesus is speaking these words to his disciples, it will, it will be conjuring up incredibly vivid pictures for these young men. You see, they'll be picturing condemned criminals carrying the beam of their cross to the execution site. You see, the Romans forced their prisoners to carry their cross as a kind of confession. By participating in their own execution, they were admitting or at least submitting to the fact that the Roman government had a right to put them to death. Now, Jesus said all of this before his own death and crucifixion on the cross. What's he meaning when he says, whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it? You see, Jesus, he was using this incredibly powerful imagery so that his followers fully understood. They fully got what he was saying. They fully um, understood that they would actively need to count the cost if they were to follow Jesus. They actively would need to die to themselves. That they would have to choose to let go of a whole bunch of things in their lives in order to follow him and live for him. Dying to yourself and living a life of comfort are two polar opposite beliefs that can never exist peacefully together. You see, the way of Jesus is about submission 
It's about surrender. It's going to cost us in every sense of the word. It's going to cost us with our time, our money, our habits, our addictions, what we do, how we speak, how we love, how we forgive, how we serve others, what we do with our bodies. It's going to cost us with our need to win, our needs to be right, our urges to control. It's this daily choice of surrendering it all, laying it all down before the Lord. Jesus is basically saying that no one can call himself or herself a follower of his if they're just still choosing to walk their own path and, and do their own thing. And this comfort culture that we are surrounded by, it promises us so much. And yet in the end, it leaves us stagnant and stuck and inward looking, where we are turning um, ourselves into the center of the universe because it's all about us. And today I sense that there is a fresh invitation that the Lord wants to extend to me and to you. And it's an invitation that we don't hear very often in this comfort culture world that we live in. And it's an invitation to come and die, to come and surrender all, to come and lay it all down before the throne of Jesus again. The wonder and the beauty of this this invitation is if you're not a Christian today and you're thinking, gosh, that sounds a bit weird. The wonder and the beauty of it is that actually as you lay down your life, as you surrender all, instead of losing your life, you end up saving your life. You end up gaining a life, not just in this world, but in the world to come as well. And later on, we want to give an opportunity for anyone that is watching today who, who says, I want to walk the way of Jesus. I want to count the cost. I want to make my life mean something. And the only way I recognize it will mean something is by surrendering it all to Jesus and saying yes to him. Lie number two. Being comfortable and being comforted are the same thing. So Psalm 23 has been called one of the best and the most well-known of all psalms. And many people know this psalm, uh, whether they profess a faith or not. So President Bush, as part of his address to the American people after 9-11, he, he um, spoke from this psalm. Uh, in the film Titanic, the priest as the boat is sinking is reading from this psalm. Um, uh, Pink Floyd's Sheep makes allusions to this psalm and Coolio's Gangster's Paradise uh, raps directly from this psalm. And one of the reasons this psalm is so popular for people who call themselves Christians and also people that don't profess a faith is because of the presence of the shepherd. It's about the shepherd. The shepherd who walks with us through the valley. David wrote this, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. 
He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The comforting presence of the shepherd was the key to David's lack of fear in the face of death. You see, Jesus is a shepherd to us in all circumstances of our lives. He's a shepherd for all seasons. He's not only the shepherd of the green pastures and the quiet waters, but he's also the shepherd who walks us through some of the deepest, darkest, longest valleys and difficult times of our lives. You see, David is far from being comfortable. He's in a valley. A valley is naturally a very low place. It's a dark place. It's full of shadows. It's full of danger. And yet, even then, David says he fears no evil because the Lord is with him. And David speaks about the comfort of the shepherd in the most uncomfortable of places, in the deepest, darkest valley, it's absolutely possible to experience the comfort of the good shepherd. And David goes on to say that the shepherd's rod and staff comfort and guide him. And a shepherd would have used their rod to fight off the wild animals and their staff to um, guide and comfort the sheep. And so here David is speaking about the Lord bringing comfort and guiding him and protecting him, even though he's walking through the most uncomfortable and unbearable time in his life. There is a massive difference between being comfortable and being comforted. Pete Gregg, who is a friend of our church, he's an author, he founded the 24-7 prayer movement. I heard him speak about a time when his wife, Sammy, um, was going through an incredibly difficult time where she was um, being diagnosed for a very rare brain condition. And he spoke about a time when she was in the MRI scanner. And he said that it was incredibly noisy. It was claustrophobic. There was a real sense of her fate being determined in that place. She was utterly alone. She even had to take her wedding ring off. Yet even in that place, Sammy said later, I experienced the comfort of Jesus. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. And I'm aware even now that for some of you watching today, that's you. You are walking through the deepest, darkest valley. The Lord is with you. The Lord goes before you. He brings comfort to you. His promise is that he will always be with you. He will never leave you. He is always there. Throw yourself onto the good shepherd because he loves you and he will walk this valley with you, bringing comfort to you all the way. Line number three. Comfort and courage can coexist together. 
So the lie of this age is that you can live a life of comfort while simultaneously at the same time believe that you are changing the world. So, for example, I recently read an article that said 10 ways to change the world from the comfort of your own home. So here's how you change the world, folks. Skipping rope contests, write cards, create an animal habitat, tutor a child online, write funny quotes on your driveway, make a homemade bird feeder, paint happiness rocks and give them away. And my personal favourite, learn about others who have changed the world. Now, we might have a little chuckle to ourselves. We might smile at that. But in all seriousness, really? Really? This kind of self-glorifying nonsense is the culture that we are immersed in. As apparently, it's perfectly acceptable to believe that you're on a world-changing mission and not experience any form of opposition, cost or hardship. To live a life of pleasure and comfort, satisfying our every need, our every whim, whilst at the same time transforming the world into a better place. I do wonder if there's a real danger for us as the church and us as God's people, we could well be suffering from boiling frog syndrome. I don't know if any of you know what I'm talking about. So in case you don't, let me explain. The boiling frog story is basically describing a frog who is slowly being boiled to death. The premise is that this frog is placed into a boiling pan of hot water. And if it's placed into that pan, what's it going to do? It's going to jump immediately out because it's going to know there's danger. It's boiling hot. I'll never survive it. However, if a frog is placed into water that is cold, that is gradually over time heated up and heated up just ever so slowly, it has no idea that it is being boiled alive. I wonder... Are we being boiled alive by our culture around us and completely oblivious to it? Thank goodness that the way of Jesus and the way of his kingdom, it speaks a better word. Thank goodness. And we see it in our text today, don't we? The complete opposite from the culture of comfort that is so prevalent around us. Remember the magnets that kept being forced apart? It was impossible, impossible to bring them together because you can't align comfort and courage. It has to be one or the other. Thank goodness Jesus chose the other. Thank goodness the kingdom chooses the other. And we see in this passage today, courage trump comfort. We see the stark contrast of the kingdom of God offering us an alternative way to live. A way of living that potentially will involve cost and rejection and risk that could well be reputationally damaging to me, to you. A way of living that allows no room to take offense. A way of living that forces us to keep forgiving over and over again. A way of living that chooses that life of surrender. That life of taking up our cross and following Jesus. To truly make an impact for Jesus, we have to choose to reject this comfort culture and embrace courage. 
see how Jesus, he gives us three direct warnings about the opposition that we as Christians will face when we say yes to him and we follow him. Now, we, I don't have time to unpack it all today. So let me just summarize. Jesus tells us to be on your guard against men, verse 16 to 20. Be on your guard against hatred, verses 21 to 23. And be on your guard against slander, verses 24 to 25. And then three times Jesus tells his disciples before they go, he says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Verse 26, so do not be afraid of them for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. Verse 28, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Verse 31, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Now this is the most frequently repeated command in the whole of scripture, do not be afraid. And I've heard it said that there are 365 instances in the Bible, one for every day of the year. Now, as much as that sounds lovely, I actually don't think it's true. But there are an awful lot of do not be afraids in the Bible. But these words, they can only really be fully embraced when we're living outside of our comfort zone. When we're risking, when we're saying yes to Jesus, when we're laying, laying our lives down before him again. The late Senator John McCain, he was tortured and imprisoned during the Vietnam War when his plane was shot down. And he was um, in prison for five and a half years. And he wrote in his book, Faith of My Fathers, he wrote this, without courage, all virtue is fragile admired, sought after, professed, but held cheaply and surrendered without a fight. Three times here, Jesus says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Yes, we should expect opposition. Yes, we must be courageous, but we do not need to be afraid because he is with us. He goes before us. So choose courage over comfort. Choose to be comforted rather than to be comfortable. And choose a life that rejects the idol of comfort and instead says yes to the mission of Jesus. Whatever he's saying, whatever he's asking us to do, from the tiniest thing to the largest thing, we say yes to him, whatever the cost. Let's be a people who tell another story. Let's be a people who live a better story. Let's do different from the culture around us. Why don't we pray? Lord, we just want firstly to say we're sorry. I'm sorry. We're sorry for the times, Lord, where we have sought comfort where we have chosen not to step out of our comfort zone, not to do what you're asking of us to do. Lord, we ask that you would come, that you would fill us, Lord, once again, that you would increase and we would decrease, that we would turn our ears to you, we would turn our attention and our affection to you, 
Help us to be people that say yes, no matter what the cost or the risk. Help us to be like those first century um, disciples, Lord, who said yes, knowing all that was in store for them. Lord, I pray today that you would speak to every one of us who is watching, that you would draw close. I pray for those who are walking through the valley right now. Thank you, Jesus, that you're the shepherd of all seasons of our lives. Would you bring your comfort and would you bring your peace? Would you make yourself known? And I pray for all of those people who are watching today that don't know you. Would you reveal yourself to them, Lord? Would you make yourself known? Would you come visit them in dreams and through other people and through your word and through uh, Catalyst Live, Lord? We don't want to be stuck in a comfort culture. We want to be different, Lord. Come fill us again. Come show us what that looks like for each and every one of us to do different, to be different. Amen. Amen.